Everyone always says when there's a big story, there's nowhere you'd rather be than in the newsroom, whether it's election night, um, whether it's, you know, a sports championship or whether it's something catastrophic like this. You know, you want to be there. You, that's why you get into this business. I, I would say morale is is very high right now because we're proud of the work we've done and we do feel like we're performing a public service. Support for this podcast is provided by Cressa. Cressa is the occupier's champion, the world's premier corporate real estate advisory firm, exclusively serving startup businesses and major global organizations alike. As a Portland pillar for over 25 years, Cressa partners with its clients throughout the entire project lifecycle, from workplace strategy and discovery through the deal transaction and project management delivery of space. Cressa partners without conflict and applies integrated expertise to make your business better. Go to cressa.com Portland to connect with the Portland advisory team. From ThatCast Creative, I'm Dan Bruton, and this is the PDX Executive Podcast. A show where I talk with inspiring leaders who are shaping the future of Portland, Oregon. Every week, I sit down with business executives, startup founders, and community leaders to dive into their career journey and get insights into the impactful work they're doing in our slice of the great Pacific Northwest. Well, how are you doing? I'm all right. How are you? Yeah, I'm doing good. It's... uh... You know, I think the, the funny thing is that the past like day or two, it's really hit me like economically. This is a little ser- more serious than I, I took it. <laughs> so we can get into that. But I, I think for me, you know, I watched the Governor's Brown's uh, press conference yesterday with high hopes of uh, more details of uh, you know a plan to reopen the economy, and that, which was it was way short on that. So. Um, you know, for, for again, it, it hit me a little hard, but otherwise, how how things with you and your family and just work? Well, knock on wood, it's good. It's you know, it's certainly the biggest economic story I've covered, and it's the busiest time in my career. Yeah, but we're all healthy, and you know, most Oregonians are the vast, vast majority. So mm-hmm. that's really encouraging mm-hmm. uh, economically. Yep, it's a mess. Yeah, well, I don't even know where to start because when I I reach out to you you know, maybe like a week ago and, uh, you know, I know uh, you've been so busy and so much has changed. So maybe we could just kind of walk through a timeline of some of the bigger kind of economic or business kind of events in, here in Oregon uh, since this started. So I, I don't even know where to start. Uh, <laughs> so. um, well, yeah. Okay. Well, let's. <laughs> I mean, let's I, start. You go ahead. I, I, that well, the 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 headline is the layoffs. Mm-hmm. You know, it started with the bars and and restaurants, and you know that's a sector with 155,000 Oregon workers. So we knew it was going to be quite awful. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, some people are still working in restaurants because takeout, um, but. You know, that, that's an enormous number. And then, you know, many other types of businesses have shut down as well. Even if they weren't required to, their markets have vanished. And so, you know, what do we have? Close to 270,000 layoffs in the first few weeks. We're recording this on Wednesday. Tomorrow morning, we'll get the latest numbers out of the state uh, on, on new jobless claims. 
Uh, I doubt it will be much of a fall off if it's any fall off at all. I think the 270,000 uh, new jobless claims numbers are probably deflated um, or sorry, understate the situation mm-hmm. because so many people cannot get through to yeah. file claims because mm-hmm. there are so many claims. Um, and so, uh, you know, I think, you know, we're, we're looking at certainly double digit. We were at, in March through the middle of March, the state's jobless, uh, rate was still at a all time low of 3.3%. Mm-hmm. But now we're looking at, uh, double digit unemployment for sure. And, you know, perhaps up near 20% in a few months or maybe higher. Uh, Economists are, are pretty dire about that. It's, it's, those are great depression type numbers. Yeah. And it's just the uncertainty. And I don't know. I mean, I've been reading so much of you, you know, your columns, just your colleagues and stay on top of this, but I don't know, and I'd like to get from you as you're talking to these economists and just business leaders, what's their temperature as far as just, uh, you know, a little uh, removed from the data of just how they're feeling about it? Uh, well, I, I, I think, I think the, the big thing is the uncertainty. And you'd mentioned that the governor's call yesterday, she outlined sort of a really broad framework for how she will make a decision about when things can restart, when people can start gathering again. Uh, and it's really hard to know when the pieces will be in place. I think we can see from the epidemiological side that there is some reason that this, this has gone in Oregon about as well as people could have hoped mm-hmm. it would have, you know, the, the, the number of cases has been relatively small. Every death is, of course, terrible, but there have been far fewer than people anticipated in Oregon. Obviously, mm-hmm. in other parts of the country, it's a different story. Uh, and you know, I saw just yesterday the number of people on ventilators in Oregon hospitals is half what it was a week ago. Oh, wow. So there's, there's a lot of indication that the health side of this is being contained it has not been contained but it is being contained Mm -hmm. so there is good reason for hope on that but then it's really hard to figure out how we take the next step to say okay we have the issue contained how do we start to open up without you know undoing what we've accomplished from a healthcare perspective and that's you know, that it's really hard to know. I, I think we're likely to see at some point a fairly sharp rebound, but it may be slow in coming. We may be bouncing along the bottom for a, a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, state economists talked about uh, uh, square root recovery last week. And What's the idea that? was it, it's like the square root symbol. Like we take a really sharp down and then a really sharp up, but it's not as high as the down. And then we go out in a sort of inclined lines, the square root mm-hmm. symbol for a mm-hmm. long period of time until we get back to where we were. Mm-hmm. I think now we're probably looking at something more like, you know, a fall and then bouncing around the bottom for a little bit, maybe a, a, a slight increases for a period of time, perhaps many months, 
and then a, a sharper increase at some point. Yeah, I mean, how much of this, and you've been covering you know, uh, the economy <laughs> for a while, but we last talked early March maybe, and mm-hmm. how much of this is related to some of these companies that we're seeing softening already? I mean, this is a pretty acute due to yeah. the, the health crisis, but I, I have a feeling there were some underlying things to some of these companies. Maybe, maybe. And certainly we're going to be separating the, the weaker performers now because they won't have the runway, mm-hmm. you know, to, to get back on their feet or wait this out. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's not necessarily of any fault of their own. Yeah. It's just where we're at. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but I, I think in general, the fundamentals of Oregon's economy were strong mm-hmm. uh, coming into this. There were companies that were having trouble and there were sectors that were not too encouraging. But I, I would say the fundamentals were not terrible coming mm-hmm. into this. Mm-hmm. And I think there was some hope initially. Certainly, I thought this was potentially the case. that with unemployment so low that employers would be very reluctant to let people go knowing it would be a competitive job market coming back. But yeah. as it turned out, that, w- that turned out not to be the case at all because mm-hmm. the, the degree of devastation was so large. You know, coming into it, people said, well, it's, you know, it's a supply shock. We're not going to be able to buy products from China. Uh, it's going to constrain our growth. Prices will go up. But it turned out to be a massive demand shock in that right. you know, people couldn't go out and buy things. Um, and there was no place to buy them if they wanted to. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the one hopeful sign I'll, I'll say is that to this point, some aspects of Oregon's economy have continued operating, particularly construction and manufacturing. There, last week, there, were some, there was some ratcheting back on manufacturing, which is concerning. Mm-hmm. But up until that point, uh, there had been... Uh, you know, Intel had continued operating up until then. Precision cast parts had. Uh, Boeing had continued operating. Many of the state's large manufacturers were still going. And I'm not aware of any large construction projects that were already underway being stopped. Mm. So that provides some foundation for Oregon's economy uh, and some reason, some reason for hope. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, mean, I guess from a from a consumer's perspective, and I can just give my own kind of uh, thought process, and like to get yours. You know, as just a consumer and being out in the economy, is the longer this goes, the less. Uh, I guess the, the more I'm, I feel like I'm going to be cautious of uh, of spending. Uh, you know, uh, just just pulling back. And so that's my concern of how fast it will bounce back, just the consumer confidence piece of it. Um, so I don't know what you, how do you feel about it? Or, you're exactly right. Yeah. That, you're exactly right. The longer this goes, the deeper the damage. Uh, I think consumer confidence is already very shaken by the economy. Then you have this new kind of you know, health confidence that people are going to be reluctant to go out and shop yeah. and maybe even reluctant to go to work uh, mm-hmm. for a period of time. Mm-hmm. And that will be that will be bad. And the longer it goes, the more damage it does. A lot of businesses are in a position where they could ride out a few weeks. They could ride out maybe a few months, mm-hmm. 
But if we're talking several months, well, it's kind of hard to see, you know, what happens then. And then you start having things move up the chain. Okay, we have this in Oregon and other states, we have a, a moratorium on on evictions, both for for housing and for commercial tenants. But at least right now, people still are going to owe their back rent. Now, right. you know, if they can't pay it, there's nothing the landlord can do, whether it's housing or, or commercial tenants. But it will start to move up the food chain. Well, the renter can't pay, whether it's housing or, or commercial. Landlord's not getting his or her money. Mm-hmm. Uh, then the bank's not getting its money. Mm-hmm. Then they have less to lend out when we come back. So, you know, it, it'll just work its way up the chain the longer it goes. And it may, as I think you were suggesting, it may change the way people think about spending money and going about their lives. So that's yeah. a, a hard thing to recover. Now, perhaps there's some effective treatment out there for this. Perhaps there's a, a vaccine that's closer than we think. Even if those things were to materialize, though, I think there would be some concern, just general nervousness. It's changed the way people look at the world. It, it absolutely has. And I think, you know, both of you and I have, you know, gone through the, the, the recession and I, and that mindset change for me was, I held true. I was always, um, kind of really cautious and, and uh, knew something could be on the horizon. So you, you always hear about like, grandparents generation or gone through the depression you know these people i've known family members like you go to their basement basement is hoarded with stuff or whatever and i'm kind of wondering if that's going to affect us in that way i think so i mean i don't it's hard to say but people have short memories too (laughs) well you know i i i agree and certainly if it becomes something like a depression it will profoundly affect us but I think people felt coming out of the Great Recession that people might look at housing differently. Yeah. And perhaps they did for a time, but I think after a while, those attitudes changed. There was a lot of talk that September 11th would permanently change the way people felt about flying. It didn't. Mm -hmm. Uh, That it might permanently change political discourse. It didn't. Uh, I think there's a lot of reason to think that if the fundamentals return, in a reasonable amount of time, attitudes will return to what they were. But there will be a hangover effect. There's no two ways about it. There will be a hangover from this, uh, both in the way people, you know, go about their lives and in the economy. Well, let's kind of switch to some of the the positives here. (laughs) I think for people that are fortunate enough to work remotely, work from home, um, you know, more of the white collar jobs, I think this has been a really kind of breakthrough for how people work and, you know, accelerating a lot of companies already have been doing it for a long time, but accelerating that, that format and just the, the, the digital piece of it. Now, what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I certainly agree. Um, I think, uh, there, we've learned that there is more we can do working remotely than we thought. Now, some organizations were already there. Mm-hmm. A lot of tech employers in, in Oregon had large number of remote workers. I have a, a friend who lives about a mile from the office, but he only went in 
under ordinary times a few times a week or maybe mm. just a couple times hmm. just because he didn't need to. It was easy to work from home. Certain types of jobs, I think, we're realizing we really could do that. Uh, but I think we may also be finding some limits there. Certainly in our organization, we are. We're stepping on each other's toes all the time. It's very difficult to coordinate the work. Some of that is the pace of the work that we're facing, and a lot of organizations are in the same situation. There's a lot to be done right now to adjust your organization to, to what's happened. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, it's, uh, you know, we're all getting used to these video calls. I always say, I used to be the person if I was invited to the video call, would always turn the video off, right? I, I was that person. So even for me, it's been a little bit of an adjustment. But a lot of the times, because I was running around or, you know, I'm like, in the car on my phone so I think that's been a it's been kind of an adjustment and well let's shift to the media a little bit and I you know I'm biased I used to work for the Oregonian I think local news is more important than ever than ever and I'm sure you're seeing unprecedented you know views and, and re readership but let's talk about the advertising part of it uh <laughs> you reported about some local local uh, media companies or publications that yeah. were having quite a tough time. Yeah, uh, it's, it's true in media all over the country, and it's true in Oregon. Uh, advertising remains an enormous part of our business, and very few people, aside from grocery stores, are advertising right, right now. And that's a big exception uh, for a lot of regional papers. You know, that's a lot of the advertising, and that's, that's important. Uh, but others just are not, they can't afford it. And they know their customers wouldn't be coming even if they, they saw yeah. the ads and that's just where it's at. And so that's, that's really diff a difficult, uh, position to be in. Uh, you know, we've had just about every news organization in the state has made some kind of adjustment. We have not yet, but it, it's got to happen. Uh, you know, we're not immune from it. And our, as I wrote in that article a week or a week and a half ago, the Oregonians business model is particularly heavily leaning on, on online advertising. Even Facebook and Google uh, are facing issues with that hmm. because advertising is done is down across the board. Now those, those organizations have many sources of, of revenue. Although, well, I shouldn't say that they are very heavily advertising dependent, but they are so dominant yeah. that that they are somewhat insulated because that's the last place you would cut as an advertiser. Yeah, because they have such control over the market. But everyone else, it's 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 happening, and at a time when people really really want the news, there's a risk that there will be less of it, at least locally. Yeah, and I know you recently, Oregon Live. It was almost like the way I read it was like a, a voluntary subscription because it's not a complete paywall at all. Right. Um, what's the, uh, what can you share about that? Well, as you and I have discussed in the past, yeah. I, I think our parent organization has been clear it wants to move to a, you know, a pay meter. Um, you'd get a certain number of, of article views a month and then you'd have to pay. Right. And almost every other news organization of any size um, has moved in that direction. And we are among the very last. And, but we were 
on our way to joining everyone else to do that. But like other organizations, we did not want to put up a pay meter in the middle of a crisis when people really need access to the news. Mm -hmm. So we said, okay, the pay meter is coming, but for right now, you know, here's a $10 a month subscription. You can subscribe. And just like the Seattle Times, you don't have to read the Seattle, you don't have to pay right now to read the Seattle Times. You don't have to pay right now to read the New York Times, mm-hmm. at least their coronavirus coverage. Mm-hmm. That coverage is free for everybody because it's a public service and we feel a need to do it in our industry. Yeah. But if you're in a position to support us, you know, you can subscribe now. And yeah. Your subscription will still be there when the pay meter does start. Mm, that, the initial response to that was very strong, uh, you know, much stronger than our parent company had anticipated, I think. Wow. It's tailed off uh, somewhat, which is not surprising. You know, you're going to get that initial push and there's no, it's only carrot. There's no stick. Uh, we're just giving <laughs> you the news right now. Yeah. Like and ultimately the pain meter survives on a carrot and stick approach. Uh, but right now it's all carrot. And so people don't, unless they feel morally obliged to do it, mm-hmm. there, there's, there's no, nothing to compel them to do it. Uh, but but it's maybe bought us some time or at least, you know, given us a floor. Yeah. Well, that's encouraging to hear, though. I mean, with like you said, without the stick, there was still a great response. And I yeah. think people are going to have to. I think this is spotlighting how important, especially on a local level, the news, just the journalism is. So I, hopefully that's a good hangover effect for local publications. Yeah, I, I, I think ultimately it will push us to every news organization toward more sustainable business models. And that's what we have to do. And Mm -hmm. it's difficult to make that change on the fly. Our readers are helping us. And we're very fortunate for that. Let's shift to the world of startups. Um, I always say, and a lot of people say this is, uh, there's an angel investor I follow says, what is, uh, fortunes are made during a downturn and collected during an upturn, uh, upward, up you know, market. So, hopefully, you know, it's hard to think that way right now, but uh, what's the world, the startups, uh, you know, the effect on this, uh, the thinking just in general here in Portland? The first quarter was fairly good uh, for venture capital. Uh, there were some big, you know, notable rounds and, um, uh, you know, it was, it was all right, uh, but you know everyone's pocketbook is closed right now. Yeah, startups are particularly vulnerable because you know they're they're living month to month already, mm-hmm. so they're not in a great position to ride this out. If you're a really young startup, mm-hmm. companies farther up the chain, you know that have been around a while, you know probably have more runway. But you saw, you know, the first cuts in Oregon came at some established companies like Opal, which has been around for several years, Puppet, which is our, our biggest, you know, young company, and Vicasa, which is only quasi-tech, but because they're so exposed to the hospitality industry, Vicasa, you know, manages vacation rentals mm-hmm. uh, and, and lists them. That's an industry that's all but evaporated in the last couple months, the last yeah. several weeks. So it's a, uh, you know, even even the more established companies locally are, are going to be in trouble. Now, our last 
big startup infusion came during the Great Recession. People couldn't go work at a big out-of-state tech company that had a satellite office here because they weren't hiring and they were laying people off. Right. So people started their own companies. And that was, you know, Urban Airship was the best example of that because they actually used a federal funding program for laid off workers yeah. to start the company. Uh, but Puppet emerged during that time. Elemental Technologies emerged during that time. Uh, JAMA emerged during that time. Jive had predated that, but it, the, the recession was kind of a catalyst for that. So it may be for that company. So it may be that we, you know, see people starting things again locally at a pace that we haven't just because there aren't great alternatives right now. Yeah. Uh, and if you're not going to be making very much money either way, you might as well be trying to build something. I, I'm really positive. I think that's going to happen. I, I think, I mean, it's painful for a lot of, uh, you know, people in the economy right now, but I think there's a huge opportunity there. Uh, and that program you mentioned is not it called like the self-employment assistance program, yep. which is Oregon's one of the few states that does it or am I wrong? Is that a federal thing? It, I, I have not written about it since the urban airship okay. yeah. era and, and I don't have a clear memory of how widely it's been adopted. It came out of Wyden's office. Yeah. It was an initiative of his initially. So, but it is a federal program and, you know, uh, but it gave states, states have to opt in. And I can't remember how many states have. I gotcha. Well, a couple more things is just for, I mean, we could talk about the CARES Act and we could keep going, but, um, you know, I do think these things are doing unprecedented. And, and, you know, when you look at the Oregon unemployment office is just, I mean, it's completely overwhelmed and, you know, everybody's trying to give them a break, but at the same time, these people desperately need, need these uh, benefits. So, uh, well, we wrote, we've got, we yeah. got a front page story today on that, that subject, you know, at the core of the issue is the fact that they're using computers from the nineties built on technology from the eighties. Wow. And so they're not, a, they're not, they can't easily adapt to handle claims that aren't really basic. They can't adapt at all to changes Congress has recently made to expand eligibility. That's taken a lot of work. And in some cases, the state said up until last night, the state said they would just wouldn't be able to do some of the work mm. to, to get Oregonians the benefits the federal government was, was paying for. Uh, it may be that the state will make some, that the state will be more motivated now to make some, some changes. But uh, with those problems, the state's phone lines are literally overwhelmed workers cannot get through if they have a simple claim and they can file it online that's working but for you know more difficult claims uh unusual situations or gig workers uh that's still in process yeah and it and with the volume of layoffs still happening the the volume of new claims coming in it's going to be an issue for some time to come. I don't know if that's two more weeks or four or six, yeah. but it, it will be a struggle. And so people aren't getting the benefits checks to which they're entitled promptly. Many people are, but some are not. And this is a bad time to be going without any money. Yeah. I mean, I have empathy for the department but at the same time when you, when you have technology that's, you know, 40 years old or 30 years old, I mean, it's kind of, what do you expect? So, um, I don't know. 
Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's a difficult situation. The state has known it's been an issue. Uh, there've been a series of state audits that said, we need to fix this. Uh, uh, but, uh, it hasn't happened. It yeah. is going to happen now, but it's a multi-year process. It'll be another five years before it's complete. Well, a couple more things, Mike. I mean, what's the, um, what's the feeling just amongst your colleagues in journalism right now, or, you know, at their Oregonian specifically, but is this a kind of come together moment and we're, uh, we're doing a public service almost, or is it like we're, we're burnt out? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I think everyone always says when there's a big story, there's nowhere you'd rather be than in the newsroom, whether it's election night, um, whether it's, you know, a sports championship or whether it's something catastrophic like this, you know, you want to be there. That's why you get into this business. The weird thing now is none of us are in the newsroom. We, we closed our office uh, two, three weeks ago. I'd stopped going in the week before. It just didn't seem necessary. Uh, and so we haven't seen each other <laughs> Uh, so what we know of each other are from zoom calls and morning, you know, morning teleconferences and things like that. I, I would say morale is, is very high right now because we're proud of the work we've done and we do feel like we're performing a public service, but like everyone, uh, it's a grind. There's an enormous volume of work. People will eventually get tired and get burned out from this. We're, I don't, I wouldn't say we're close to that yet, but like everyone, we will get tired of being sequestered and of having a pandemic. And (laughs) I'm there already, Mike. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And so uh, at some point, you know, everyone's fuses will, will run out. Yeah. So, so, Uh, but I, right now, everyone I talk to is, is excited, enthusiastic, upbeat uh, about the job, not about the news. Right. Uh, It's, but I, I'll tell you one thing, though, that I think people are encouraged about. At the very beginning of this, there was talk about how we were going to handle the volume of deaths that we were going to have to cover. And there was a lot of concern that that was going to be take a, a real emotional toll. And it has for the workers who have covered, you know, uh, the, for the reporters who have covered the, the deaths at the nursing homes, which are about half of Oregon's deaths, a little more than half, I think we said today. Uh, but there haven't been nearly as many deaths as we feared in Oregon. Obviously, it's a different story in other parts of the country. And so the emotional toll has been less for that reason on most reporters. The reporters mm-hmm. right covering those things. That's not necessarily true. It's been heavy for them. Mm-hmm. But for that reason, it has felt less painful than, than maybe some of us feared. Yeah. So... Fingers crossed. If that continues, uh, we'd much rather cover economic carnage than <laughs> than actual deaths. We'll keep doing the great work, Mike. And just thanks for hopping on and always being a you know a trusted source because we need it more now than ever. And hopefully we we get to suit through this sooner than later. So uh, yes. great to see you virtually, and uh, looking forward to talking again soon. Thanks very much, and take care. The PDX Executive Podcast is a production of ThatCast, a Portland, Oregon podcast agency that partners with brands to create custom podcasts. You can learn more at thatcast.com. And please take a moment to subscribe and rate the podcast as well.